You are listening to Rockwell Church in Virginia, Minnesota. Find us online at rockwell.church. Now, here is today's encouraging message from Pastor Chris Tyen. Hi, this is Pastor Chris from Emmanuel Baptist Church in Virginia, Minnesota, and I'm coming to you, coming to you today by video because I'm still here in Belle Plaine, packing up my house, getting ready to move away after 20 years in the same house. Supposed to close first thing on Monday. Hopefully we'll close on the other house we're trying to get up there on Monday, and then we will live up there among you after this. So hopefully that will work out. But it's October 31st, and I want to talk to you about overcoming the power of fear. Overcoming the power of fear. Actually, this is the one day where people seem to glorify evil, try to pursue fearful things. And, um, but let's talk about having courage over fear and how that affects us. The Bible is full of stories of Bible characters who were fearful and made bad choices and even lied. <clears throat> Abraham, or Abraham, feared Pharaoh and said his wife, Sarah, Sarah was his sister, lied about it. Moses feared going back to Egypt and told God to send someone else burning bush. God's like, go back to Egypt. God's, or Moses is like, no, no, I'm not good at speaking. You should send someone else. An angel appears to call Gideon, uh, calls him a mighty warrior, but Gideon feared he wasn't good enough and didn't want to go. I'm glad he answered that call. He put out a few fleeces. You can read about that. Jonah was afraid his enemy, the Ninevites, would repent. So he refused God's uh, orders to go tell them to repent. Uh, he refused to go there and he was swallowed by a great fish and you know that story. Elijah calls down fire from heaven, boldly calls down fire from heaven and killed the false prophets of Baal, but then he ran away from wicked Queen Jezebel. Peter was afraid to be identified with Jesus after Jesus was captured. What are you afraid of? What are we afraid of? How does God respond when we are courageous? instead of fearful. How does God answer our prayers? How does God come through for us in our time of need? Watch this video clip. I want you to remember that God, God's created everything you see. He breathed it into existence. Remember when his people were caught up in slavery? He rescued them. What he did was he parted the sea and he made a way for them and then he delivered their enemies to them and he unlocks wounds and he provides water from a rock and he provides manna from heaven and he brought down the walls of Jericho. He froze the sun allowing victory. He's toppled giants with tiny stones. He's brought fire from heaven. He shut the mouths of lions. He preserved life in the belly of a well. He's fed thousands with a few loaves. He gives the weak strength. He heals the sick. He's made the blind see, the deaf ear, the mute speak, the lame walk, and he's overcome evil, and he's made a way through death for you and me by the death and the resurrection of his son, Jesus Christ, that we will live with him forever. We will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. What are we afraid of? His resume is flawless. He controls everything. And he loves you. That is a great video clip. 
of what are we afraid of. You know, some scientists say we are born with only two fears, a fear of falling or a fear of heights and a fear of loud noises. Many fears are learned in elementary school. I watched some scary movies and was afraid of the cemetery in my neighborhood. Uh, many fears can be overcome by experience. Uh, the first time I went rappelling down a 300 foot rock, I was terrified, didn't want to do it. They forced me to do it. I was, I don't know, like 10 years old. They forced me to do it. And then I ran back up the hill, up the rock and did it again and again and again. I'm so glad that they didn't let me say no because I was fearful. However, uh, many years later, I had really no fear of climbing up the pedestal to get on the zip line at Trout Lake Camp. But then when I was standing up there waiting for my turn, I started to second guess that and say, you know, I wonder if this cable can hold me. I wonder if this is a good idea. Maybe I shouldn't do it. And then I did it. And the church people I was with threw snowballs at me. When I was in high school, I was on the gymnastics team, if you can believe it or not, for one one term and I watched a guy going around the high bar. The bar snapped and he plunged down to the mat. I didn't want to go on the high bar and do that after watching that guy. I watched a guy in Colorado uh, trying to break a horse, got thrown off, uh, saw his leg bone sticking through his skin. Uh, kind of fearful of breaking horses, not fearful of horses, but you may have some really valid reasons for your fears. Um, be assured that much of what you fear most likely isn't going to happen. Uh, some things you don't fear may hurt you, so maybe you should fear those things. But right now I want to focus on fear and faith. So I'm not going to tell you how to get over your fear of heights, of mice, of spiders, of clowns, of the dark, or whatever scares you. But I do want to talk about how fear and faith affect God's plan for your life. Um, I fear the grammar police. Now, affect I, I or effect. Here, we'll, we'll make how fear and faith affect you and effect all the others around you God's plan for your life. How fear and faith affect and effect God's plan for your life. Psalm 112 verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. Blessed are those who fear the Lord, who find great delight in his commands. So fearing the Lord is a good thing. To respect, to honor, to obey, to follow, to know that he holds us accountable, to know that he punishes sin, to know that we can be forgiven. But even those who are forgiven may be disciplined by our Heavenly Father. If we continue in sin, praise the Lord. Um, we're blessed when we fear the Lord. Good life. Uh, good blessings, good results when we respect and honor and fear God. We are told to fear the Lord. Uh, what do you fear today? Uh, there's a part of me that fears that sometime, as I'm your pastor, there goes the garbage truck again, that as I'm your pastor, that I may disappoint you. I fear that. So I've gotten to serve in churches where people know me and we're greatest friends and we trust each other and love each other. Um, now in a, I'm in a new environment and so far you've shown me that you love me and that you care about me and that you're on my side and I hope that it always stays that way. I'm sure I probably will disappoint you, but I hope we can work it out. Uh, that's one of my fears and I hope it's a fear that doesn't come true, but I serve God first and then uh, others. So hopefully we'll be all on the same page. 2 Timothy 1.7 out of the New Living Translation says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. So the innermost part of our being is our soul and the spirit is who our spirit is who we are and how we act and what we think and uh, all of that tied together. And so he has not given us a spirit of fear. There's not, I mean, there's times when we're fearful and we need to trust God. And that's, so that's what we're going to talk about, but just really focus on this now. Um, 
not a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power of love and self-discipline. Romans 8, 9 says that when we come to Jesus Christ, when we are saved, when we are born again, when we are adopted as children of God, that when we come to Christ, that we uh, become uh, filled with the Spirit, that we receive the Holy Spirit, that if we don't have the Holy Spirit, we're not saved. So therefore, if we are saved, we have the Holy Spirit. Romans 8, 9 says, you, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. It says in Romans 8, 9. So we have the Spirit in us. We have the Spirit working in us. We have the Spirit encouraging us. We have the Spirit praying for us. We have the Spirit empowering us. Romans 8, 15. You did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the Spirit of sonship. By Him we cry, Abba, Father. When we are terrified, when we are afraid, when we don't know how things are going to work out, we go to our Heavenly Father. Holy Spirit helps us, empowers us, guides us, directs us, teaches us. We can be confident as we walk in the Spirit that we do not need to be afraid that somehow, somehow God will get us through. And we all fear death. We all fear uh, that we're going to die. And the ultimate... Um, transition in our life is when we go from this life and we die and we go to be in the presence of Jesus forever. So there is that. There is that confident assurance that even if we die in this life, even if we suffer persecution in this life, even if we go through hard times in this life, that we can take comfort and have courage that Heavenly Father, Jesus who loves us, the Holy Spirit who empowers us and helps us, that they are going to get us through. They care about us. We don't need to fear. Proverbs 29, 25 says that when we fear, it can really trip us up. When we fear, it can trap us. And the thing that we often fear the most is what other people think about us. Proverbs 29, 25 says, fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. There's so many times when we don't do what God wants us to do because we're afraid of what other people think. We don't do what God wants us to do because people that we care for, respect, our family, uh, the people we work for, uh, tell us to do something else. And we are much more likely to uh, fear them more than fear God. But the Bible makes it clear that if we're fearful of what people think, if we're fearful of men, if we're fearful of men and women and people and authority, people around us, of what other people think, that it's a trap, a snare, and that whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. So number one, number one, your faith helps you overcome the power of fear. So the faith that you have in Christ, the faith that you're growing in, the faith that comes from the Word of God, the faith that you are learning, the verses that you are memorizing, your faith helps you overcome the power of fear. You have verses to rely on. You have um, experiences even to fall back on, but I'm getting ahead of myself. But your faith helps you overcome the power of fear because God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. You know, Jesus promised that we were going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and we'll be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, all around. So we'll be witnesses around the range, through the state of Minnesota, across the nation, across the world. We're going to be empowered to do that. We're going to receive power from the Holy Spirit. 
and its power to live the Christian life. Romans 8.5 says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what the nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind of sinful man is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. The sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. When we're living in the spirit, when we're living according to our faith, then our mind is set on things that give us courage. Our mind is set on things that keep us from fear. Our mind is set on things that honor God and enable us to make the right choices, to make the right choices even in the difficulties. So number two, your experience helps you overcome the power of fear. Your experience helps you overcome the spirit of fear. Philippians 4, 6. Don't be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and mind in Christ Jesus. Do you do that when you're anxious about things? Do you pray about it? Do you put it in God's hands? Do you trust that it's going to work out? I mean, right now, in the situation I'm in, I'm not really sure, you know, as far as, you know, getting the, the next house, if it's working out. Um, so uh, my experience shows that God has been faithful in the past, and my experience shows that it's always good to have a plan B, maybe a plan C. So I've come up with, um, if the house doesn't work out that we're trying to get, you know, I've got a plan B house that might work out. I also uh, know a place where we can stay, uh, even though it's really expensive. Or I see uh, some hotels, or motels that are able, we're able to stay there with our dog. So um, plan, those are different plans, but we cry out to God. We pray. We ask uh, for help in these times of need. Um, don't be anxious about anything. In every situation, in every situation, so I'll tell you a situation that was a long time ago. Uh, when I was in, I don't know, between ninth and 10th grade, I went to a uh, uh, Bible camp for four different weeks. So I went to Camp Idrahaji in Colorado. Uh, one week I went to camp, next week I went to camp, and then uh, the camp counselor that I was around said hey we're having a church camp do you want to come to that and i'm like okay sure and so anyway i went to the church camp and i didn't know anybody in that camp there wasn't one kid there that i knew i only knew the camp counselor guy and they were clicky i mean this camp uh these kids all knew each other and nobody cared about me so uh i was praying about it i was praying that god would help me to have some friends and i played a lot of kickball in my life. I mean, this is Colorado. One place when I was in elementary school had goat head thorns. And whenever you'd catch the ball, it was often like full of goat head thorns when we would play kickball on the playground field or in the side lot. But uh, at this church camp, um, I was okay at kickball, but I believe that God gave me the temporary spiritual gift of kickball. Every time I got up there, I scored. I caught so many people out. I was like the kickball all-star. And by the end of a couple of games, I had friends. Uh, the athletes that I wanted to be my friends, the people that I wanted to be my friends were my friends for the week. And I believe it, I believe it was because God heard my prayer, saw my need, and say, said, you know what? Let's make Chris successful at kickball. And that might help him to make friends. Isn't that silly? Isn't that foolish? Isn't that uh, ridiculous that the God of the universe would reach down from heaven and help me make some friends for a week at camp? That's the same kind of God who cares about you in your every need, in your every problem, in your every fear. Pray about it. Be faithful. 
watch and see how he provides, and then tell other people, tell other people how you saw God at work glorify him. Um, you know, a lot of times we're fearful because of the things that we dwell on, because of the things that we think about, because of the things that we read, because of the things that we see, the music that we listen to. It gets in our head, it gets in our mind. And it makes us, like programs us with the wrong information. It gives us a fear of certain things that we don't need to be fearful of. Like when I was in elementary school uh, in River Falls, Wisconsin, we lived in this twin home and down the, down the road by the school bus stop was a cemetery. And I had seen a few bad movies and the other kids too told me about all the bad stuff in the cemetery. And I was afraid of the cemetery uh, because there was something to be afraid of in the cemetery. No, they're just a bunch of headstones from where dead people are. Uh, nothing there, nothing to be afraid of. But because I saw the movies and because these kids told me that, uh, you know, it was something to be afraid about, then I was afraid. I was afraid of that. I was afraid to walk past it in the dark. Philippians 4.8 though, 4.8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And when you program your mind with that kind of stuff, when you program your mind with those kinds of ideas, when you program your mind with the right principles, then you will have the right response to the situation and you will have courage and not fear in those times. In those times of need, you will have courage and not fear to get through. Number three, number three, your attitude helps you overcome the power of fear. Your attitude, how you respond to things, helps you overcome the power of fear because God has not given us the spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. To have an attitude of love because we're called to love God and to love others. To have an attitude of love. 1 John 4, 18 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love what drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment the one who fears is not made perfect in love so if we know that god has forgiven our sin if we know that we're right with god if we know that we're living right if we know that romans 8 1 says there's no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus if we know that god loves us then there's no fear in that relationship and if we know that God loves us, we can overcome fear in other situations too, because he says that he will provide for us and he cares for us as his children. John 13, 34, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. To love one another. When we love and we care about each other, we don't have to fear. I already mentioned in the beginning that I've been part of a church for a long time of people who care about me and we love each other. And I think that this church here at Emmanuel is going to be the same way. And, um, but to just have that confidence that we care about each other, that we're there for each other, that we're not going to turn our backs on each other, that we are united in Christ together, that we love God, we love others, and we love even those new people that God brings in to our church. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. We're called to make disciples and be disciples. They'll know that we are disciples because we love one another. We care about each other. We love one another. 
So here's a video clip. It's kind of funny, but I think this really happens uh, when we let our minds wander off to, you know, what we think could be the worst case scenario. So um, we think something of someone and they tell us something and our minds just drift off to all these negative thoughts. And so watch this video. It's kind of funny. Uh, maybe you'll see, uh, maybe you'll see yourself in it. I, I hope not. But nonetheless, uh, here, watch this. How was work? Nothing unusual. Email was down again. And uh, Bill called me into his office again. What's wrong? Nothing really. He just thinks he can come down and fit in with these blue collar guys. You know, he's white collar. Or you've done something wrong again. And you're getting in trouble. And you'll get demoted. Then you'll stop shaving. There goes my vacation. Maybe you'll even get fired. And then you'll do that lazy thing and I'll have to go back to work. And there goes the house. We had plans for this house. We'll be living out of our car or out on the street, and eventually we'll be forced to move in with your mother. How was your day, Kim? Well, Dana's having a party Friday night, and I thought I could go. But before you freak out, it's not going to be that big of a deal. I mean, y'all guys know this. You're a great kid, but there's no stopping the peer pressure. It just takes one sip, and you're hooked. And then there's the smoking and the piercings and the tattoos. And the boys, even good boys don't have good intentions, never mind the bad boys. Oh, and you'll go straight for one of the bad boys and they'll introduce you to all the bad things and you'll get pregnant and drop out of school and we'll never see you again. And we'll be stuck with your kid. What about you, Mom? I've been considering taking up string art. No. Des has been doing some really wonderful things with it. You can do anything with string. Did you know you can make refrigerator magnets? Everyone knows string art is a gateway craft. You'll start knitting and making me hats and scarves and sweaters and making me wear those sweaters. And you'll stop dyeing your hair and get those grandma glasses and you'll want a cat, which will kill my allergies and probably lead to more cats. And you'll want to make things and bring it to my class and embarrass me in front of all of my friends. Wow, that family really let their minds drift, didn't they? <laughs> oh, the cat. That's funny. The cat. All right. So with the attitude that we have, we need to remember that God loves us and we love others. Um, however, some people might not love us. So we just need to have the general understanding that um, maybe we never did anything to these people. Maybe we um, haven't really done anything to offend them, but maybe they just don't like us because we're Christ followers. Maybe they just don't like us because they're living in the darkness and we're living in the light. Maybe um, they don't like us because um, we have the aroma of Christ and they're catching the smell of conviction and even death. 2 Corinthians 2 verses 15 and 16 says, We are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the other an aroma that brings life. And who is equal to such a task? 
So some people might be rejecting you because you follow Christ. Some people might be rejecting you and causing you a hard time or even persecution, not because of what you did, but because who you are in Christ, because you follow Christ. And you just need to have that attitude that says, these people may misunderstand. These people may be rejecting me because of Christ in me. And um, maybe I should just be okay with that. Um, try to reach out to them, try to care for them, not treat them the way they're treating me. It's always better to treat people better than they deserve. And the Bible talks a lot about suffering. So to have that attitude when it comes to fear and difficulty that we may suffer for the Lord. We may be convicted. I mean, look at this. 1 Peter 4.16 If you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. To be a Christ follower, to be in Christ and be persecuted for that. Um, something that's praiseworthy. Um, we should praise God if we suffer. Lots of Christians suffer. First Peter 5, 9. Resist him. Resist who? Resist Satan. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. You know, Satan wants to do everything to shut us down. He wants to do everything he can to get us to be quiet. He wants to do everything he can to get us to stop living for Christ, stop promoting Christ, stop sharing the Bible, stop reaching out to people. And he does that through fear. He does that through fear because there's nothing that shuts us down better than fear. When we're afraid of what other people are going to do to us, when we're afraid of the penalty, when we're afraid of... Um, being rejected when we're afraid afraid of being alone um, all those fears can shut us down and keep us from fulfilling god's plan in our life and we need to overcome that power of fear um, if we have the attitude that the lord wants everybody to be saved if we have the attitude that we can be used by god to tell people about salvation if we have the attitude that says each time I promote Christ each time I share my faith, each time I share a Bible, each time I help a, a child or an adult or a senior citizen or any person who's alive on earth uh, get closer to Jesus and have the opportunity to hear about how they can be saved by um, repenting of their sin, by receiving uh, what Jesus did on the cross, his dying on the cross, his rising again, uh, paying for our sin. Um, have you ever done that before? Have you ever received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Maybe today is a good day to do that. You can do that through prayer. Prayer is talking to God and a good prayer uh, would be something like this. Follow along with me if you would like Jesus Christ to come into your life and save you. Uh, pray something like this. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and I know that you died on the cross for my sin and rose again. Please forgive me of my sin. Come into my life and save me. Make me the person you created me to be. I want to follow you and learn your ways. In Jesus' name, amen. If you did that, will you let us know so that we can send you some resources to help you to grow in the Christian life? And for the rest of us who are saved, remember that we do well to tell all of salvation. 1 Timothy 2.4, uh, God wants all men to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. Isaiah 41.9 says, I took you from the ends of the earth, from its farthest corners. I called you and I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's what, that's what God said to Isaiah. And I believe that message is true to us too. Uh, think back, where did you first hear about Jesus? 
How did Jesus come into your life? How did you get saved? What has your life been like since? What kind of person would you be? Uh, what kind of person would you be like if you hadn't received uh, Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Interestingly enough, someone in the church came to me and said, you look like somebody that we knew that we had to kick out of town. Somebody that we knew that looks just like you and it's hard to, hard to not, not think about him and we see you. And so I thought about that and I'm like, well, that's kind of funny. But uh, as I was driving home, well, on one of my, one of my commutes from Virginia back to, back to Belle Plaine, I was thinking, you know what? Maybe that person is a great example of who I would be if Christ hadn't come into my life, maybe I'd be the kind of person you'd have to kick out of town. So um, hopefully now the only reason I'd get kicked out of town is because I'm sharing Jesus. But nonetheless, I actually have been uh, accused of turning the town upside down and sharing Jesus with everyone. Uh, someone wrote a letter uh, to the denominational headquarters about that. And I was not disciplined. Instead, I was accommodated. I was, I was, given, uh, I was given a good job. Uh, yeah, um, if you're going to be accused of something, let it be that. Living for Jesus, telling other people about Christ, turning the town upside down. I don't know what I did to offend that person, but it still makes me laugh. Romans 10, 16 says, They have not all obeyed the gospel. So the Israelites, they didn't listen. Um, and often the people around us don't listen. People aren't listening and obeying the things of God. But they have not obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed who has believed what he has heard from us. So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. Faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. And we have the word of Christ in the Bible. If you want to overcome fear, if you want a better attitude, you need to spend more time in Christ's word, in God's word, in the Bible. And finally, number four, your response helps you overcome the power of fear. Your response helps you overcome the power of fear. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. Your choices matter. Your response helps you to overcome the power of fear. God calls us to live a holy life. 2 Timothy 1.9 says, For God saved us and called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it, but because that was his plan from the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. We can't live a holy life on our own. There's no way for us to do right on our own. Um, when we receive Christ as our Lord and Savior, it sets us free from the chains of sin, from the power of sin, from the influence and control of sin and helps us to do right. And the Holy Spirit helps us to make those right choices. We still have a choice, but the Holy Spirit helps us to make those right choices so we can live a holy, pure, righteous, godly life. One full of grace, not condemnation. One full of forgiveness. And as we receive grace, we need to show grace to others. And holiness leads to peace. Holiness leads to peace. Hebrews 12, 14, Make every effort to live in peace with all men and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Can you imagine if everybody around us chose to live in peace, if they were honest, if they cared for one another, if they, if they treated people uh, like they wanted to be treated, what a great place this would be to live. Um, so many people uh, want to cheat, want to lie, want to steal, uh, want to do everything they can to get ahead. Uh, holiness leads to peace. And uh, when we're living in peace, we're not ashamed. And you and I need to do everything we can to um, 
make the right choices so that we are not fearful of the results and we need to prepare to not be ashamed. Uh, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and who correctly handles the word of truth. So to be living in the Lord, to be spending time in his word, to um, be ready to share Christ, to be ready to accurately uh, represent Christ, to be able to uh, correctly handle the word of truth and to not be ashamed, to not be ashamed and to not be ashamed of Jesus. Some people are ashamed of Jesus. They don't want to tell people um, that they're followers of Jesus. You know, it made me laugh one time because somebody said, yeah, I'm a Christian, but I'm not one of those born again ones. I'm like, well, what kind of Christian are you? Well, you know, I'm not one of those, one of those ones that, you know, are all political or one of those ones that are all, you know, I'm not, I'm not a freaky Christian. I'm not one of those born again ones. I'm like, um, you need to read your Bible because Jesus told us we must be born again. So anyway, not ashamed of Jesus. Luke 9, 26, Jesus says, if anyone is ashamed of me and my words, the son of man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and in the glory of the father and of the holy angels. So don't be ashamed of Jesus because he would be ashamed of you then is what it says. So, and not wanting to be ashamed, not wanting to be ashamed because of the choices we've made, because the sin that we've fallen into, to the temptation that we've given into. Uh, Romans 6, 21 says, what benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things that result in death, that separation from God, that sinful separation from God. What are some things that you've done or you're doing that you would be ashamed if somebody found out? Uh, quit doing those things. Confess that to the Lord. Say, you know, Lord, I've been doing this and that's wrong. Please forgive me and help me not to do it again. It's easy to fall into temptation. It's easy to fall into sin, uh, but don't keep doing it. Don't keep living in it. First John 2.28. Now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. To live to not be ashamed. Can you imagine what it's going to be like when Jesus Christ returns? Can you imagine what it's going to be like when um, we're all standing around the heavenly uh, water cooler and we're talking about uh, where were you when Jesus returned for us? Where were you uh, when he came to get us? And hopefully you'll be like saying, oh, I was sharing my faith with somebody or I was at church or um, I was having devotions. I was doing this. I was doing this good thing. I was helping these people in need. I was something good as opposed to, well, actually, I was doing this and I wish I hadn't been doing that because that was the wrong thing to do. I'm <laughs> glad Jesus came back and got me from that. But uh, yeah, it's kind of embarrassing, but here's what I was doing. So don't you don't want that for all of eternity. What were you doing? Oh, I don't really want to talk about it. And not ashamed of the gospel. Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because, because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. Romans 1.16, not ashamed of the gospel, not afraid to share the gospel, not um, afraid to tell people how they can know Christ. You know, someone said that evangelism, the best evangelism is, is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That's pretty good evangelism. Uh, sharing what Christ has Done in your life so basically your testimony again i would share this because i think it's important that we all are able to share our testimony is what our life was like before we came to christ how we came to christ how we got saved and what our life has been like since what jesus has been doing in our life since and i live to help others get saved watch your life and doctrine closely persevere in them because if you do you will save both yourself and your hearers isn't that awesome would that be a great way to live 
Wouldn't that be, once you face persecution, once you face fearful things, once you go way out and do risky things to serve Jesus so that other people could get saved, I think one of the most important things is you just need to know you're on the right side, you're on the right team, you're doing the right thing, and then you'll take those risks and not be afraid. You'll have great courage then, great courage then. My response is to trust God's salvation plan. He called us to make disciples, teaching them to obey everything. He also called us to baptize them. And if you would like to be baptized as a believer, let me know. I'm really looking forward to filling up that baptism tank with water and having a public baptism, believer's baptism service. Romans 10, 13, finally I'll be done. I tell all of salvation because everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be safe. So I didn't cover all your fears. I didn't take care of every fear. Um, biggest thing I can say is cast all your anxieties on Christ. Uh, pray about it. Ask God to provide and trust him for the results. Be doing the right stuff, uh, making the right choices, and then you won't have to fear the consequences of that. Don't be afraid of what other people think when you're doing what you know is right. Spend time in God's Word, and that will help you to have more courage. Reprogram your mind by applying Philippians 4.8 to your life and uh, try to push out those negative, sinful, fearful thoughts. Uh, don't think the worst about everybody. Don't let your mind wander. Treat people better than they deserve, and just expect that people aren't as bad as you think. And know that the most important thing is eternity, and that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. I tell you, all this moving, uh, this being up there and commuting back here and packing up my house, and now I have to like get moved in and everything, it's making me tired. My life is so out of balance, I need rest. And uh, next time, next week, we get to um, you know, spring forward, fall back, we get to get an extra hour, an extra hour of sleep or an extra hour of something. But uh, So adjust your clock before church next Sunday. But next Sunday, the message is too little, too much, I need enough rest. What does the Bible say about rest? It actually gives you permission to get rest, and God even modeled that by creating the world and then resting. I think he did it as an example for us, not because he was worn out or tired, but I hope that you will tune in um, or come to church. Come to church. Come to church then. So, all right. Well, you have a great week, and I hope to see you in person soon. God bless. We hope this message from Pastor Chris Tyen at Rockwell Church has encouraged you in your faith. Join us next Sunday at 1015 a.m. in person or watch online. We are located on Highway 53 at 93 Midway Drive in Virginia, Minnesota. To find out more and to let us know how we can pray for you, go to our website at rockwell.church.